You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. The show brought to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier. Did you know what today is? Today isn't just a hump day. Today is National Chocolate Day. Check your hashtags, folks, on the social media. They'll let you know. National Chocolate Day. And over at Peterbrook Chocolatier, if you swing by, make a purchase, you are going to get a free hand-dipped chocolate Oreo cookie. That doesn't get you through the day. I don't know what will. That's waiting for you at Peterbrook Chocolatier. Joined on the program by producer Jacob Harrison, who together we combine to form the 60-minute moon of Sports Talk Radio. How's it going on this Wednesday morning, Jacob? Going going good, man. Getting into the routine of things and enjoying it. Good. You sound fired up. We love it. We love the energy. Um, a lot of energy with the Los Angeles Dodgers last night, right, Jacob? Winners of the 2020 uh, World Series. I tried to give them the College World Series title, too, there for a second. But the Dodgers get it done in six games with a 3-1 to one win last night in Arlington, Texas. Boy, Kevin Cash is catching it a little bit today, isn't he? Skipper for the Tampa Bay Rays made that decision there in the top of the six with the Rays leading one to nothing to go ahead and make the move from starter Blake Snell, who was pretty much cruising to that point. I guess he had given up a uh, maybe a walk there in the sixth, a hit, but still uh, the analytical debate certainly cropped up in terms of numbers versus feel and how the game, how sports in general is managed these days. You saw it, boy, big time, nuclear-like, seismic reaction. Well, a couple things. Look, we're nostalgic at our core, especially those of us of a little bit advanced age, right? Because we remember a time when numbers and analytics weren't really a big part of the game at all, other than knowing okay, what has this guy done against us maybe in his last two at-bats tonight or maybe the previous game? There were books. Remember what it was referred to? 
they'd have a book on this guy. You had a book on that guy. The book is out, those type of things. So there was data. There's always been data, but not to the extremes that it is leaned on these days. You still, at the end of the day, I mean, you had catchers calling games, right? Back in the day, Johnny Bench wasn't looking over to Sparky Anderson and, you know, looking for Sparky to give him something to 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 give to Tom Seaver to throw on a 2-1 count in the bottom of the third with nobody on and one out. You know, that was a different time altogether. That's where we're at now. So much of sports is analytically driven, you know, and it's in play everywhere. You've got departments now at the professional level that are dedicated solely to analytics, even at places like Alabama. You know, maybe the analysts themselves aren't doing a lot of the analytical work, but there are people in the football department that are getting that information to analysts and assistant coaches. It's all about information. People love the info. I do too. And I get it to an extent. I still feel like there's a place for feel and instincts when it comes to dictating, managing a situation. And I guess Cash postgame said it really wasn't about just analytics. He just had a feeling that he didn't want Mookie Betts and that Dodger lineup to see Snell for a third time. Maybe that's the case. But in some form or fashion, that was being driven by information. And more so than just kind of what he was seeing from Snell at that point, probably. And so you're going to have to live with it moving forward. Analytics are here to stay. They're not going anywhere, man. You know, if you like your, let's say you like your college basketball team. Let's say your college basketball team, your favorite team goes 18 and 12, right? And is sort of in that bubbleville for an NCAA tournament bid. Well, you know, you want the analytics at that point in terms of how the schedule was formulated, especially from a non-conference perspective, to work in your favor when it's presented to the selection committee. So we love what we've always loved, which, again, is where the nostalgia comes in. Uh, but the analytics are big, and they're not moving anywhere. 205-342-9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. If you'd like to check in with us on this Wednesday morning, Travis Ryer, Jacob Harrison, we'll have Cecil Hurt coming up in just a little bit. We'll check in with Cecil at the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. We'll get Cecil's thoughts on a number of topics. Obviously, college football will be first and foremost in that discussion, as you have already seen this morning. And by the way, it is a Nick Saban media day. He was just on the SEC coaches teleconference. We'll check in on that. Uh, He will address reporters following this afternoon's practice uh, over there off Bryant Drive. So you'll hear from Nick Saban a couple of times today in advance of Saturday night's matchup with the Mississippi State Bulldogs right here in Tuscaloosa, Mississippi State 1-3, and three, riding that three-game losing streak. I've been working on some matchups for Alabama and Mississippi State in this one, and boy, you talk about a nosedive for an offense. After the 632 passing yards against LSU in the season opener, not pretty for Mississippi State. In the three games that followed, Arkansas, Kentucky, most recently Texas A&M before the bye week. 
And I'm going to go ahead and tell you, Mississippi State defensively, when you look at the SEC stats, it, it looks good, right? It looks good. And I would say it's it's definitely been better than anyone anticipated this defense being in year one under Mike Leach. But a little bit of a paper tiger, I'm going to go ahead and tell you before I get those matchups out for you at BamaOnline.com. Some situational issues that I think are going to be very problematic for this Mississippi State defense and going against this Alabama offense, even with Jalen Waddell out. I think that uh, there are some fundamental, foundational issues that State is going to uh, have a problem with. We'll get into some of those as we move throughout the program and continue on throughout the week as well. We also heard this morning that Wisconsin and Nebraska scheduled for this Saturday, week two with the Big Ten, and here we are already, Badgers and Huskers, Badgers and Cornhuskers set for Lincoln, Nebraska on Saturday is off due to COVID tests positive COVID test impacting the Badgers. Apparently, even head coach Paul Christ is awaiting uh, confirmation that he has tested positive for the Wisconsin football program. Woof. You knew this was a problem for the Big Ten when it made the decision, when it reversed field, when it ran the Anthony Carter in 1982 reverse at Michigan. You knew this was potentially problematic, and here we go. You know, the late start for the Big Ten now already in week two, you're seeing teams like Wisconsin that are being touted as a potential college football playoff team being forced to postpone and or just cancel games outright. I mean, what are we going to be left with of the Big Ten and the Pac-12? If you're the Pac-12 right now, what are you thinking? You don't kick off until – the weekend after this, you're trying to squeeze it into that time frame between November 7th and December 19th. What are you thinking if you're the Pac-12 right now? Does it really matter, I guess, when we talk about the Pac-12 anymore when it comes to relevancy? Uh, we could be looking at, you know, a Rose Bowl of like 3-0 and Ohio State versus 2-0 and Oregon. That could be your Rose Bowl this year. But tough news out of Madison with Wisconsin being impacted and the time frame, the window to get all this in and still position yourself as a legitimate candidate potentially for the college football playoff. It looks uh, grim, looks grim for the big 10 and certainly the PAC 12 uh, as well. We've got some picks for rusty to get into today on the program as well. He hasn't really nailed down his four, there he is. Jacob. Is he out of treats again? He sounds like he's agitated. Might have been because you brought up his, his record of as of late. Well, you know, he hadn't been that bad. I guess he's 16, 8, and 1 on the season, but he does strive for perfection. There's no doubt about that. Hate it for Jacob. Jacob has to deal with him in there, you know? He's feisty. He is, and he will bite. He's like these home underdogs, Jacob. But uh, I'll give you some games that Rusty has of particular interest that he's looking at right now, okay? He's looking hard at Auburn. 
know, he gave you Auburn last week as a sort of 180 pick. He gave you Auburn last week as a road dog with teeth, and Auburn came through for him. He likes right now, he likes Auburn getting the three at home against LSU Saturday afternoon at Jordan Hare. We talked about this yesterday. That line, in terms of where it opened and where it is right now, you're talking about a five-point switch shift there in that line. Auburn opened as a two-point fave and now uh, is getting three from LSU. guess LSU, with that performance against South Carolina last Saturday night, impressed some folks. I'll say this, and yes, Auburn did lose one of its starting offensive linemen in Brandon Council. The thing about that LSU performance that gives me reason for concern where Saturday is concerned for Ed O's team against uh, against Auburn is that you know South Carolina still ran the ball pretty good on that LSU defense, and we all know what LSU uh, Auburn's going to do on Saturday with Tank Bigsby and even Bo Nix, Sean Shivers. Uh, going to be able to run the football, I think, a little bit. I'm interested in seeing certainly Derek Stingley Jr. matched up with Seth Williams. That's prime. That's a prime time matchup. But Rusty is kind of looking at Auburn getting the three at home. You know, I don't know if Rusty, he didn't learn a couple weeks ago. You know, a couple weeks ago, he liked uh, he liked Georgia Tech getting all those points. What was it, 27-28 against Clemson? They're on the flats. And, and, and see, Rusty doesn't want to talk about that. And then Clemson proceeded to drop 73 on Jeff Collins in Georgia Tech. And Rusty, I know I'm looking at your your kind of your outline here and you you're leaning towards Georgia Tech getting 20 against Notre Dame. You yeah. know? Yeah, he is. I'll tell you a team that's been pretty good to Rusty of late is Texas Tech. He gave you Texas Tech getting some points at home against West Virginia here in the last week or so and the Red Raiders won outright in Lubbock. And he likes Texas Tech getting 14 and a half against Oklahoma on Saturday, it appears. Yeah. yeah. Some other games that Rusty is considering. He's looking at Maryland at home getting 20 uh, against Minnesota. But, man, did you see Did you see any of that, Minis- uh, that Maryland game at Northwestern? That's, last a rough, that's a rough one, Rusty, man. Did you see that, Jacob? I mean, we, you watched because of Talia, right? Of I course. Mean, one of this, right. And, you know, I'm not ready to just say it's not going to work for Talia there. I'm more worried about Locks. You know, Mike Locksley, the former Alabama assistant. I want to see him thrive and do well. But, man, that was brutal. And they got uh, Josh Jacobs' little brother, too. A whole bunch of Alabama guys up there. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. So you've got multiple reasons to want to see the Terrapins do well. But, wow, that was rough. But even with that. I guess Rusty's expecting a bounce back. The old, you make your biggest improvement from week one to week two. If Rusty goes with the Terps, he's uh, obviously banking on that being the case. Also, he's looking at Louisville getting three and a half at home with Virginia Tech at Cardinal Stadium. Yeah. Rusty liked what he saw out of Louisville. That might have been a trick, though, Rusty, what Louisville did to Florida State. We put a lot of stock, maybe, maybe too much stock in that Florida State went over North Carolina, and then the 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 Knowles go on the road and just lay an egg up at Louisville last weekend. But he's still he's considering the Cardinals getting the three and a half from the Hokies. 
there this weekend. So there you go. There are some early looks at Rusty's potential home dogs in college football this weekend with the sharpest teeth. Some matchups from Alabama for Alabama and Mississippi State. We talked about it a little bit earlier in the program. Uh, obviously, with Jalen Waddle out, there's still going to be a continued focus on Slade Bolden, Devontae Smith, John Mechie, and going against this Mississippi State secondary uh, with really new faces across the lot there, especially at the corner positions and at the nickel spot. Emmanuel Forbes is a true freshman corner for Mississippi State, sent some nice things, had an interception against LSU in the opener, had a pick six his last time out on a crazy play, a ricochet of a pass from Kellen Mond that ended up in the hands of Forbes, who returned at 60 yards for a touchdown. You've got an injury issue for Mississippi State in this matchup, too. It's not just Alabama with Jalen Waddell. Um, Mississippi State is going to be without one of its safety. And Zach Garnett, the defensive coordinator for Mississippi State, he's a rocky long 3-3-5 guy. You're going to see the 3-3-5 from Mississippi State defensively, schematically this week. And Fred Peters, one of those safeties, three safeties, really, that State likes to use. He was the the guy that would drop down and cover the slot receiver. So uh, you're going to have a change there. It looks like Colin Duncan, a sophomore, is a, is a guy that you're going to see uh, in that matchup. And, you know, look, it's going to be tough with Waddle. It was interesting to see and hear from Slade Bolden yesterday and making the rounds with the reporters on the Alabama beat. But, you know, even without Waddle last Saturday, Alabama still averaged 11.6 yards per pass attempt. So a lot of that explosiveness is going to continue to fall on John Mechie. Uh, and then you're going to work off the attention that both Najee Harris and Devontae Smith attract from opposing defenses to help you free up Slade Bolden, maybe the tight ends a little more. As you move forward. So that's one of the matchups that we'll get into as we move throughout the week. Alabama defensively kind of in swapping that matchup going to be a big week for the Alabama dime package, six defensive backs, because Mike Leach and that air raid offense, they're going to give you four wide receiver sets pretty much the entire game, two by two, three by one. And with that, could have a couple of true freshmen starting for Alabama in that look on Saturday night with Malachi Moore at the star position. He's a given at this point, but you know, Brian branch was the guy for Alabama at the money in the dime, uh, up in Knoxville last week. So potentially, uh, Brian branch looking at his first start. If Alabama as expected is out there in the dime. And again, this Mississippi state passing game is really struggling watching Mississippi state, Texas A&M last night. I don't know how, I don't know how Mike Leach runs K.J. Costello out there. I know, look, I understand Will Rogers is a true freshman, but if you watch that Texas A&M game, it's not just the performance of K.J. Costello. It is the comatose-like body language and effort that you saw from that state offense in general. And maybe it had something to do with Kylan Hill being out, being suspended, and Kylan Hill again, the... Star running back, not going to go this week. Might be moving on from the program uh, totally. But uh, at least when Will Rogers came in there against Texas A&M, you saw them sort of try to pick it up in terms of energy and effort. 
boy, that was that was borderline effortless, and I don't mean that in a good way. There's that. There's not good. And that's more what we saw from Mississippi State's offense against Texas A&M. Going to head to a break. When we come back. Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com. He'll join us right after this. From the Town Square Media Weather Center, the National Weather Service in Birmingham has issued a tropical storm warning for a large portion of central and south Alabama. Heavy rain and high winds are expected. Peak winds of 30 to 40 miles per hour forecast for our area with gusts up to 55 miles per hour. Hurricane Zeta is expected to make landfall this evening along the Louisiana coast and quickly move northeastward into Mississippi and Alabama. Stay alert, stay tuned. We'll keep you informed. I'm Captain Ray. Cloudy and breezy with occasional rain this afternoon. The high 77 becoming windy tonight with widespread rain. The low at 71. Tomorrow becoming partially sunny. The high 73. And a beautiful day Friday. Lots of sunshine with a high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide100.9.com or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide! Travis Ryder, senior analyst for BamaOnline.com, is with you each and every weekday morning from 11 a.m. until noon. It's that time on Wednesday when we like to go to the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio line and check in with Tuscaloosa News and Tide Sports sports editor and columnist Cecil Hurt. Cecil, how you doing on this Wednesday morning? Doing good. Everybody out there, stay safe. Charge up your devices and stay at home to this evening. Oh, I'm telling you, man, I don't know what it is with these, uh, these tropical storms and hurricanes, but geez, the, the poor people of the Gulf coast, you know, enough's enough. Uh, and so absolutely need to need to take all the precautions this evening. Yeah. We're really in the, uh, Tuscaloosa is really in the, the fairly narrow tone too, for 35, 40 mile an hour wind gusts probably 50 60 miles an hour yeah um we'll see we'll see if it weakens but as water in the gulf is, is warmer than it once was for whatever reason we want to attribute that to um they really gin up as they approach the coast they hit that warm water and so you know zeta is a category two now mm-hmm. and so it's going to have a little uh it's going to have a little carrying power through the right up, right up 2059. What's on is just right straight up 2059 from New Orleans to here. So yeah, Hattiesburg, Laurel, Meridian, Meridian. I guess all of that. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Right up um, the pipe. Speaking of forecasting and 
and things like that models. Uh, we talked a little bit in the opening segment about uh, analytics and its place in sports these days, and certainly that was a big part of the narrative last night after the Rays made the decision to remove starting pitcher Blake Snell from the game. Now, Rays manager uh, Kevin Cash after the game said, look, it was based more on you know anticipating the top of the Dodgers lineup coming around for a third time and getting another look at Snell. Um, I talked about it, man, compared to how I grew up with sports, right? And I know you did too. I used sort of Johnny Bench and Tom Seaver in the mid-70s. You never would have seen Johnny Bench even look over to Sparky Anderson, right? I mean, we've gone from catchers calling games to now games seemingly being called uh, 24 hours in advance, it feels like, sometimes, Cecil. Almost. Almost, and it's yeah, it's very different. You just, I'm like you, grew up in the same sort of generation. There, there wouldn't have been a manager with the uh, <laughs> with Cojones. the uh, fortitude uh, <laughs> to go get Bob Gibson in that situation, um, to go get Nolan Ryan in that situation. Nolan, how about going to get Juan Marichal in that situation? Juan Marichal. <laughs> One, one might take the equipment to you if you were careful. Um, uh, you know, any, any of those. Kofax either. I mean, Kofax is a little lower-key personality, but you weren't going to go get Kofax or Quayar or one of those guys. Uh, not 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 easily. They would not go easily with two outs in the fifth. So, um, and it backfired. Now, I will say this. Um, if you're going to blame it on analytics and when the analytics are successful you've got to credit the analytics and and it's um those are those are long long term trends but it's it's like going for two Travis you know there's so much that that's in football there's so much that's on the chart and you got to you got to go according to the chart and and you go but at some point you got to have a feel of where your offense is, where their defense is. If their defense is that gap, you know, that, that's got to enter into it. And there's nowhere to put that on the chart. You know, it, that, that you just went 85 yards in four plays and they can't stop you. You know, you, you've got to incorporate a, a little bit of the human element into the charts. And I am not anti-analytics the way a lot of people are. I understand the value of of analytics and, and, you know, and it's true in every sport, you know, whether you, whether you go for two, whether you foul, um, up to in a basketball game with 4.7 seconds left. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's, there's a chart in a computer readout for everything. Uh, and, and they are based on long-term historic trends. It's like going to the casino and playing blackjack. You may win a bunch of money, Going with your gut, you know, saying I'm going to hit on this 14 anyway, but in the long run, you're not. And the house actually wants you to do that um, over time. Over time, in thousands of players and thousands of locations, they're going to win. Um, so it just depends. But you're doing the same thing. You're 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 hitting on 12, or you're hitting on 13, or you're hitting on 14 um, based on a gut feeling. But sometimes. You know, if you're really sharp, you you do hit. So, um, 
Baseball is made for that. Long before the first Univac ever fired up, I'll guarantee you, um, when Babe Ruth was pitching before he was hitting home runs, somebody went and pulled Babe out in the bottom of the 12th, and he was upset. Speaking of Vegas and analytics, Cecil, uh, Alabama, right now, at last check anyway, 31-point favorites Saturday night over Mississippi State. I didn't envision that line in the immediate aftermath of State's upset of LSU back on September the 26th, but here we are a few weeks later. Yeah, you probably didn't envision it when Alabama gave up 48 in Oxford. You probably didn't envision that line still. Uh, I don't know. First of all, I don't know all the internal goings on in Starkville, which there seemed to be some. And Mike Leach is a first-year coach, and first-year coaches make changes, and, and guys move on, and you try and get your pieces in. And that was true of Nick Saban in his first year, or Bear Bryant in his first year, or, or not to single anybody out, but the least successful coach in SEC history, whoever that might be, in his first year. You, you, there, there's a there's a curve for first-year coaches trying to get their personnel right. Um, but there's also particularly when that coincides with a 10-game conference schedule, uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take a toll. You're going to pay a price. So um, I don't know where all that is. Starkville. I don't know what, what the Kylan Hill situation is. I saw Tyrell Shavers, who transferred in from Alabama, is now talking about transferring out. You know, mm-hmm. Leach has been talking about getting rid of guys that don't fit the system or fit at least behaviorally don't fit the system. Um, so I don't know what they're going to come over here attitude wise with. Um, if it were, if it were strictly analytics, you know, if you were running the computer numbers and the long-term intensity of Mike Leach team, uh, that 31 would seem awfully high, but it's not strictly that not this year. Yeah. I think one of the big numbers you have to consider too is, I think it's 16 turnovers by the Mississippi State offense uh, in four yeah. games with uh, like 13 of them in the last three. And you're talking about a team that's minus 10 in turnover margin going into this one. So, you know, our friends in the desert, right, Cecil, they they have access to all that information too, don't they? Don't they have access yeah, to well, that? Well, they do. <laughs> and you tweeted out that picture last night of, I guess it was, was that Costello? Yeah, it's Costa. That 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 yeah. to me said a lot. That little clip, yeah, and a little bit. You know, are you are you looking at that little ten second clip and saying, "I want that team and the thirty one <laughs> points because they're they're unified, they're fighting." You know, uh, yeah. you got you got to factor those things in. As far as you know, actual a, let's be clear. You know, I don't I don't play a dime. That would be a conflict with my job. Sure. B. If I did, I wouldn't touch this game. I wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, there are other. There are other games that I think might be more attractive. So. Yeah, that that was very telling, though. I mean, the three man pass rush gets to your quarterback. He gets hit. He's literally waiting. <laughs> you could tell he he's, yeah. he's like, okay, who's coming to help? And he realized pretty quickly that there was no help coming to help him. Yeah. Help you, KJ you Costello got, get off the both, side. You've got both rush in double teams. <laughs> The center just went, just matadors, just completely 
like a sub, like it's like a subway gate. He just takes the token and lets it down. Yeah, like a like a wrestling tag team partner that turned heel on him or something. You know? Yeah, you know, just allowed a run in. And and the other two guys are so you got you got at least two guys that didn't block anybody, but they ain't gonna help. go over and help the quarterback either. You know, they're gonna let him lie. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. Now, from the Alabama perspective, obviously the loss of Jalen Waddell on the opening kickoff of the Tennessee game. Uh, credit to Alabama as a team from a psyche perspective after incurring that and specifically as an offense, uh, really, to still be able to do what it did, uh, I think was a testament to, to not only Steve Sarkeesian and, and, and what he's done as a coordinator, but Holman Wiggins as a wide receiver coach, obviously with Slade able to step in there and and, sure. and perform at a high level. And, and I guess chemistry too, right? The things that we don't see for a year or two while these guys work together, um, three years down the road, it, it comes to light. Well, it, it does. And, you know, first of all, it's unfortunate for Jalen and his family. Mm-hmm. Second of all, and I'm not going to name any names but it's Wednesday at noon so do you think again not to name anybody but some people some some Georgia connected people in the media you think they're through high-fiving yet oh you yeah through, yeah I think they're through um giving it the backhanded um oh how terrible but blah 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 you know right uh, and, you know, people see through that stuff. Yeah. So good for them. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens to them um, as the season progresses. Uh, third, and let's let's bury this debate. You know, you know who I'll listen to about whether Jalen should have been out there or not. Anybody who tweeted or wrote a column or um, yeah. had a comment when he ran that kickoff back a hundred yards against Auburn last year. That was my anybody point. anybody exactly. who said on that right after that play that he shouldn't have yeah. been out there, I'll listen to you. Yeah, nice return, but you really shouldn't have done that. That was really yeah. Yeah. dangerous. Why, why is he on the field returning that yeah. hundred yards? Yeah, those like, people are hard to find, yeah. you know. Those people are hard to find, but they weren't hard to find. They were less hard to find. I don't think it was a unanimous decision. I don't. I didn't. I didn't think Nick Saban got buried under a wave of criticism but there are a few contrarians um who afterwards you know in in hindsight they they know what would have been best you know they know what the, mm-hmm. so, um, the guy know the guy is synonymous with kick returns cecil that was part of my point too i mean when you think of Jalen waddle you don't think of even wide receiver first he's a very good wide receiver but he's been as much or more of a return guy in his three years at Alabama as he's been a receiver. Eddie Jackson. Yeah. Great safety. Great punt return. Mm-hmm. You need that safety. Dave, David know, Palmer. You, you, you need that. I mean. <laughs> David, I don't think anybody questioned David being back there because they weren't going. They were, they were likelier to score on a punt return than any other way anyway. That was 70% of the offense, wasn't it? Sure. Absolutely. Absolutely, um, and you know, and it goes back. It goes back forever. Billy Cannon running the mud. Why was Billy Cannon back there returning punts? Mm-hmm. Because he was Billy Cannon. That's part of it, you know. So I, I frankly, not to open this can of worms, 
I worry more about Mac holding for placements than I would Waddle running a kickback. I always find that interesting uh, with the quarterback, starting quarterback, you know, in, in that position. I, I get it in terms of if you want to try to do something off a of fake or, you know, you, you have part of the operation fail and you kind of go into oblique mode. Um, but, I, yeah, I tend to agree with that. I, I don't. I don't know if the starting quarterback is the holder primarily works as well because he doesn't have the time to spend with the kicker that, say, a punter does or maybe even a reserve at another position. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or a designated, you know, Alabama in its history has had designated holders. Larry Adams, yeah. Jeff Wall, guys mm-hmm. that were there to be holders. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's it's. There are different ways of doing it. That's tough to do in these scholarship times. But um, I think I think Tiffin or I think Doyle would tell you they liked having their own older, their caddy, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, but Matt's so done Cecil, a good job. Riker's done a good job, so I'm not complaining. No, Riker's been very good. Uh, we probably shouldn't talk about it that much, but he's been. He's been very good. You had a change at punter Cecil with another Scott in there up at uh, up in Knoxville. Kicked it high, kept him fairly well backed up. Um, so I, I imagine they'll continue to go with that and continue to scour the world for punters. Is would, Nick going to go? Is Nick, is Nick finally going to go Aussie at punter at some point? You think Nick's going to go the, Aussie like portal, everybody else? He's going to go into the portal and find somebody's Aussie and take them. Yeah, good. He could. I mean, the Aussies we'll are just taking it, it over. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they are. They are. Some of them. Are, uh, <laughs> it's amazing what they can do with that ball. Yeah, I mean it's it's totally against everything Ray Guy showed us in terms of punting mechanics and technique, Cecil. These guys are dropping the ball nose down and kicking at sixty five yards with four and a half second hang time. You know what about the guy from the Rams whose name I should remember and I don't? Johnny he's Hector. Spinning. Yeah, he's he's dropping it and getting the back spin on it, and and <laughs> you know it it's like a sandwich. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, putting it within three feet of the hole. So, Cecil, we hear this morning that Wisconsin and Nebraska is off for this weekend. Um, Obviously, the protocols aren't like for like across the leagues, even at the Power Five level. But what type of, you know, what type of level of concern uh, should, I guess, Big Ten fans have? And then secondarily, the Pac-12, what's the Pac-12 thinking right now when they're not even cranking up for another weekend? But even even with teams that have already been in play for four or five, six weeks. Um, and, and you're seeing numbers like you're seeing. Uh, are, are we still as confident we're going to get to you know, the completion, the full completion of what was put in place for a season? Or uh, is, this, is this deserving of an increase in monitoring here moving forward? Well, I mean, it is. it, is, it should be monitored. I can't answer whether – how many games everybody's going to end up with. Um, it's it's uh, general public rates of, of transmission are very high in the Midwest, the upper Midwest right now. Um, you know, what do you, it's a debate for another time. We, we may be talking about nothing but this a month from now, 
Um, yeah. But what do you do if, if Georgia's 9-1 and one and Ohio State's 5-0? Oh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that could happen. So um, there's a chance in the summer to for everybody to be on the same page, have the same start date, try and do the same things. Some people didn't want to do that. And um, some conferences didn't want to do it. So uh, do the best you can. That's all I can tell them. And, and, and I don't want to see anybody get sick. I don't want to see anybody. Yeah. You know, it's not a it's not a gloat factor. It's just you know once all that was was determined that people would have later start dates and um, so forth. You know the. <laughs> The Big Ten's kind of stuck now. They're stuck with what they're doing. Uh, they can't go back and, and now say, well, look, we were right the first time. Well, you shouldn't have changed that. You know, you changed. So, so you know, they're... they're um, I think they've lost some of the high ground that they had taken. But mm-hmm. with that said, I hope they play. I hope everybody plays. I'm disappointed that Nebraska and Wisconsin aren't What are your thoughts on Tua this week making that first start? We get that on television, by the way. We're in the somebody somebody understood the Birmingham market. I mean, we should be for the foreseeable future, shouldn't we? We should be getting dolphin games every week. Birmingham, the Birmingham TV market, obviously. That should be uh that should be Tua TV is is what that should be. Um Mm -hmm. Tough defense to take your first crack at. I will say that. <laughs> Aaron Donald. Somebody's got to slow him down. Just a little Aaron Donald breathing down your neck from the Ooh. opening snap Sunday. How about that? Didn't see much of that at Alabama. You know, not that you didn't play against the best college players, but uh-huh. not a lot of Aaron Donald <laughs> roving the landscape. So. You got Jalen Ramsey. You saw some pretty good corners, I guess. But uh, Jalen Ramsey, not a bad corner. Yeah, I'm. I'm curious as to what the Dolphins. What, what do you think a reasonable expectation for for Tua and the Dolphins going forward would be? What are they looking you know, for? Five hundred. I think so. Making, I, and they're making the they're playoffs so, is a little lofty, isn't it? You would think so, but then you know they actually hit a little, you know, winning streak here with Fitz, and then you know, I here's what I wish they would have done is before the Jets game go ahead and let Tua jump in there. Then he has the start against the Jets. Then you had the bye week, and now you get him ready for the Rams. Like you said, I mean, this is a tough spot, even coming off a bye week with a Rams defense. It was the Bears Monday night. We all understand that. But the personnel and, and, you know, Terrell Lewis, that was good to see, right? Terrell Lewis making some plays. Absolutely. Um, No, it's a good defense. Bears I just wish he would have been given the Jets you know, game first. Yeah, whoever they were playing, they were playing the Chiefs. They're a good defense. Mm-hmm. No, give I, more you points, know this so about I, I don't think two is phased by it. You know, no, I, I don't. No, I, I don't think that. Uh, he, you know, he's a he's cut a little different, and mm-hmm. you know, if if he gets sacked four or five times, as long as he doesn't get hurt, you know, he'll he'll shake that off. So. It sounds like Cecil. It sounds kind of like when he was here, 
behind Jalen that he must have been doing some things in practice that just convinced Chan Gailey, Brian Flores, that staff that look, we we got to get this guy in the football game. You know, it it, it has that sort yeah, of yeah. Because I don't to think the economics are such. Sometimes it's just that I've, if you're zero and five and you're paying a guy thirty five million dollars, you're going to get him on the field. Right. You know, but they they weren't zero and five. Um, no. I wonder maybe what they doing. just maybe they figured after the bye week we're doing this from the start. You know what I mean? They yeah, were they were going to so. do this yeah, at the bye week. So. I wonder yeah. what the analytics say. <laughs> That's what I'm wondering. It must have you know there were some analytics involved. I want somebody oh. to send me the uh, I want somebody to send me the spreadsheet. I want to see what the analytics say. Yeah, he's just got to not drift outside the numbers and not throw the ball away. See, so he's got to ditch the football. <laughs> when he gets out there, nothing good ever happened when he drifted left and just held on, you know, no, nothing good's going to happen. Um, but I'm interested to see, but you know, I just don't see them like you. They got on a little streak. I don't see them being a playoff team this year. So I'm, I'm wondering what the end game is. Now they, you know, they're set up nicely with draft picks again. I got that that Texans pick. That's a nice one to have. <laughs> yeah, that can be very nice. <laughs> get you a get you a franchise tackle, or a, you know, I know those aren't you don't find those every single day, but mm-hmm. get you a Jedrick Wills type and uh, improve He's look good. a little bit. Yeah, Jedrick so has many answered receivers. any questions about whether so many receivers are going to be this year too. Mm-hmm. And wrapping up with analytics, Cecil, what about the uh, the success rate of SEC replay so far this season, especially where the Auburn Tigers are concerned? I'm going to say two two things about this, and and I support Lane pitching a fit. I think that's great for Lane to pitch a fit. One, I, the SEC office issued an explanation that didn't explain anything. That did not explain anything, and I'm disappointed in that. All they said was, you know, that the play, the play should have been stopped, but it wasn't stopped. Well, we all know that. You know, we're all aware that the play wasn't stopped. Tell me why the play wasn't stopped. Tell me why the replay official made the judgment that, that play should not be reviewed. Not that he made the judgment that it shouldn't be reviewed. Um, that doesn't answer any question. I will say this, as a, and, and there have been two situations involving Auburn, and this is a little bit of answer. Yes, with 534 remaining, had Ole Miss cured the ball in the end zone, which appeared to be the outcome, and been given a touchdown, that would have, been, that would, that would have put them in a much better position to win. But now there was still 534 remaining. Mm-hmm. And let's look at what did happen, which was, you know, Auburn was trailing, went down and scored. Um, tied the game, Ole Miss didn't score, and Auburn scored again. So there was 534 for Ole Miss to do a little something. Yeah. That, other than letting Seth Williams grab one and run 60 yards, 70 yards. Um, you know, they, they had plenty of chances to make a stop, to make first downs, to make things happen. 
that either would have won them the game or, or put it in overtime, regardless of what was a terrible call. And nobody's arguing that that was a good call. Now, in the Arkansas, the one in the Arkansas game, you know, the backward pass. Uh, that's that was end over. of game. Game's over that's on game, that one. That's game over. Yeah, that, that was the worst of the two, I thought. Yeah. So, yeah. so in a certain sense, that's even more egregious. I'm not saying that, that the call in Ole Miss was right, nor do I know why it was made, because it hadn't been explained why it was made that way. It's mm-hmm. been explained it was made that way, but not why. You know, what not, what, was the guy asleep? Was he down the hall getting a sandwich? Did he just not see what a lot of other people seem to see? Um, is there a rule interpretation that, that we should know about? I don't think there is. That we should know about that that can't be reviewed? Uh, you know, I think everything can be reviewed from, from the remote. So I would like to have more clarity on that. Um, but I, I do would have put Ole Miss in a much better situation. It was not a good call. Um, Ole Miss did have 534 to, to stop Auburn there, you know, stop them the next time. Four touchdowns themselves in there. At least get it into overtime. Um, so, so I agree it's Terrible call, but also you know, make overcome it, and make a play. Right. You know, that's, that's, there's there's that too. Hey Cecil, there's we appreciate too. it as always. We got to get to this final break, but always great stuff, and we can't thank you enough. Thanks, Cecil. Sure, glad to do it. There you go, Cecil Hurt, sports editor, columnist for the Tuscaloosa News. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right after this. Cloudy and breezy with occasional rain this afternoon, the high 77, becoming windy tonight with widespread rain, the low at 71. Tomorrow becoming partially sunny, the high 73, and a beautiful day Friday, lots of sunshine with a high at 70. I'm James Spann on the ADC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I knew a girl. Her name was Truth. She was a whole. Back to put a wrap on a Wednesday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM. As always, appreciate Cecil Hurd of the Tuscaloosa News and Tidesports.com for joining us here. On the program, Jacob Harrison once again doing an outstanding job producing producing the show. The lunch whistle on this Wednesday. How about some Southern Ale House, man? Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hills section of Tuscaloosa. Go in there for a lunch day. Check the board behind the bar. One of the servers, they'll fill you in on the daily specials. You know, Tuesday they do the Kraft Burgers. You can get that pimento cheese burger. You can get that one just about any time you like. It is out Standing Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Thursday. Have a great rest of your Wednesday. Be safe out there, everybody. Inside.